Well, today I want to talk with you about what we should do when a friend is at the bottom of the ninth and feels hopeless, feels absolutely hopeless. What should we do when a friend is in that bottom of the ninth moment, feeling so far behind that there's no hope of a win? Because sooner or later, one of your friends will find themselves in a time that feels like they are at the bottom of the ninth and they're so far behind, there's no hope of ever things changing, things turning around for them. Now, in the very first message in this series, we learned that if we stand up to our situation, if we step up to the plate and we swing with all of our heart, hoping that something will change, miracles can happen and miracles often do happen. Well, I want to share with you this morning that we need to help our friends do the same thing. When our friends are in a bottom of the ninth moment, when we see our friends struggle, we need to help them stand up, step up to the plate, and keep swinging. In the second message, we learned that when we're behind and our situation is incredibly dark, that we need to remember other times when our situation was dark, but God showed up, and God miraculously changed our situation. And Pastor Matt handed out little rocks and talked about the Israelites building a, a memorial to help them remember what God did in the crossing of the Red Sea. Because remembering those times when God just did an, an awesome work revitalizes our hope for the situation we're currently in. Well, folks, we need to help our friends do the same thing. We need to help our friends remember Remember when God showed up, you're going through this, and he didn't leave you alone? We need to help our friends remember. Last weekend, we learned that even if God allows you to lose, you'll still be used by God for a greater purpose in life. So keep up the fight. Finish the race. Don't give up. Keep the faith in God. Don't run from him. Run to him. Well, we need to help our friends do the same thing. We need to encourage them to keep fighting to finish well, and to keep the faith. So today, as we come to the end of this series, I want to talk with you about truly helping your friends when they're in a bottom of the ninth moment in their lives. You see, God the Father sent Jesus to be our hope giver, to be our helper, and he is. Now Jesus is sending us, those of us who have given our lives to him, those of us who are Christ followers, he's sending us out now to give hope and help to others. You see, we're to be his feet today, going to those people who are in those bottom of the ninth moments, feeling hopeless. We're to be going to them and giving help to them. We're to be his voice, giving encouraging words and comforting words and truthful words. We're to be his hands, lending all kinds of physical support. In fact, as his followers and family members, we are to offer to people who are struggling that same extraordinary compassion and generosity that Jesus has offered to us. And all of God's church said, amen. amen. We need to offer that same compassion that we've received from him. There's a story in the Bible about a guy who had some friends who did that very exact thing. They offered the compassion of God to their friend. As we begin, take a look at this. The Bible says a few days later, 
When Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come, that he'd come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him, to Jesus, a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Today I want to give you four things that Christ followers, that church families should do when their friends struggle. First of all, write this one down. When friends struggle... Empathize. Empathize with them. Now, empathize means that you just simply try to understand what they're going through. Try to understand their situation. Feel for them in their situation. But it goes beyond that. That word also means to shower them with compassion, with kind-heartedness. But I'm afraid that sometimes we just do the opposite. Do you find at times... That you just don't respond at all? I mean, you, you see what they're going through. You maybe pray for them. Maybe you contact them, but you don't really help them. Are there those times you just don't respond? Do you not respond because you don't have the time? Or maybe you just don't know what to do? Or you, you don't have the resources? Or you just... Think that what you have to offer just won't make much of a difference? Do you not respond because it's not clear if he or she really wants help? Or it's not clear if he or she will accept help? Or it's just not convenient? Or to get involved, it's just kind of messy? Folks, when a friend struggles, we need to empathize with them. And look at this. I think kids do it best, don't you? I think kids, when they see something that a person hurting, they, they just do it best. They immediately just reach out and try to comfort their friend. We need to let the compassion of Almighty God flow through us to them. We need to reach out and comfort them, just like kids. They do it best. Truthfully, as our world looks at those of us who claim to follow Christ... Our response to those who struggle determines our reputation in the community. Think about that. Our response to those who struggle determines our reputation in our community as Christians, as a church. And our reputation should be that we are people who are full of empathy, empathy. that we are people who are full of compassion. Now, the four men whose friend was paralyzed, they had empathy for his situation, for his lifetime of struggle. And so they sat down and they came up with a plan. And they decided that if anyone could help their friend, it was Jesus. And so they made up a plan. They decided that they would somehow get their friend into the presence of Jesus. Folks, when... Friends struggle, the first thing to do is empathize. But then there's another thing that's even more important. Take a look at this. Write it down. When friends struggle, mobilize. Just mobilize. These four men gathered together. They stood around the cot of their friend. And they decided to pick up their paralyzed friend 
cot and all, and carry him to the house in Capernaum where they heard Jesus was teaching. So they didn't just empathize with him. They didn't just feel bad for him. They mobilized and they did something for him. Amen? Amen. That's what we are called as Christians to do. To mobilize when our friends struggle. The Bible says some men came bringing to him, Jesus, a paralyzed man carried by four men. They mobilized. They gathered to carry out their plan. They sacrificed their time. They sacrificed their energy to get their friend to the man, to Jesus. Here's the question. When a friend is struggling, do you empathize with them? Do you so empathize? I can't get it out. (laughs) Do you so empathize with them that you dedicate both your time and your energy to come up with a plan? And then do you mobilize a team to help you carry that person to the person who can help them? And maybe here's a, a more important question. Are you even willing to care for a friend that struggles? Are you willing to really carry a friend who struggles to a place of help? When friends struggle, empathize, then mobilize. And then when friends struggle, write this down, improvise. Improvise. So here we are in a day where there's no cameras, no reporters, no TVs, no cell phones. And yet the reputation of Jesus was spreading so fast that people were walking 120 miles all the way from Jerusalem to the town of Capernaum, to this place, so that they could simply see Jesus and hear Jesus again. Folks, that's like walking from Yorba Linda to Palm Springs. Walking from Yorba Linda to San Diego, just to listen to Jesus. That's how popular he was. That's how the word was spreading. No TVs, no reporters. Hey, Jesus is over here, folks. You know, no helicopters circling. This is where he is. None of that. His reputation was spreading because of how he was helping people. No cars, no planes, no trains. People walked to see Jesus, this radical healer, teacher, who had already removed a fever, who had already removed a demon from a person, who had already healed leprosy, who had already filled an empty fishing boat with more fish than a fisherman could handle. And all these people gathered and packed into a house. And studies show us it was probably Peter's house. And they packed into this house to see and hear Jesus and hopefully some of them to be healed by him. So when these four men reached the house where Jesus was teaching, they ran into a problem. The crowd was so huge, they couldn't even get their friend anywhere near Jesus. No hope of getting close to Jesus. So what did they do? Well, the Bible says this. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of this crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. These four men were so committed to get help for their friend that when they couldn't get him near Jesus, they improvised. 
in the spur of a moment to overcome their obstacle, the crowd. They came up with a new plan. They decided we can't get to the door. We can't even get to the door, let alone get through the door. So they decided to enter the house, not through the door, but through the roof. Now, I'm not saying we got to go tear up people's property, but that's what they did. They decided to go through the roof. So these four men went up and on the roof, literally began digging a hole in the roof of the house so they could lower their friend into the presence of Jesus. And they didn't just dig a peephole. They dug a hole big enough to get a whole man and a whole cot with ropes so they could lower him down through the roof. Can you imagine? I don't know what the roof was built of in those days. But can you imagine the dirt and the dust and the straw that must have been falling down on Jesus? He's probably, I'm trying to preach. You know, get all this dirt and straw and dust coming down on you. Can you imagine the noise and the chaos? It couldn't have been quiet. They were ripping stuff apart. Can you imagine the chaos? People looking up, what's going on? These four men were literally tearing the roof off for their friend. But some are probably thinking, how dare you destroy somebody's property, especially when God's in the house, amen? How dare you do that? What if he just looks at you? They probably had some naysayers up there with them. What if, what if Jesus just looks at you and, and, and frowns and says, go thee therefore and fix the roof? <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. Who would improvise like that? Who, who would do stuff like that? Well, in this case, it was four men who so empathized with their friend that they mobilized and they improvised to get him to the one person who could help him. And that's Jesus. Here's the question. Are you willing, as a Jesus worshiper, as a Jesus follower, as a Jesus imitator, are you willing to care for a friend who struggles? Are are, are you willing to carry a friend who struggles? Are you willing to create a new plan for a friend who struggles when an obstacle arises? Or a new hardship arises? Are you still willing to stay in there and help that friend to get to the place of help? When friends struggle, empathize, mobilize, improvise. And then last, when friends struggle, Christ. Get them to Christ. Get them in the presence of Jesus. That's what these four men did. The Bible says this, when Jesus saw their faith... He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Well, after Jesus brushed the dirt and straw off his face, he probably looked at this man and saw his situation. And what did he do? Immediately, he helped him. Immediately, he forgave him. And with that one little phrase, Jesus raised the blood pressure of every religious expert in the room. The Bible says this. Look at this. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow Jesus talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? You see, Jesus had just clearly said, friend, your sins are forgiven. So immediately the teachers of the law were furious. Only God can forgive a sin. 
And we know that this son of a carpenter is, is, is not our God. And so they immediately in their minds began charging him with the crime of blasphemy. And in Jewish law, blasphemy is a capital crime. And the punishment was death. And so at this moment, Jesus knew what they were thinking and what they were murmuring about. Take a look at what the Bible says. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he, Jesus, said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up and take your mat and walk? And that question for a moment just kind of hung in the air. It's a really great question. And the answer was, It's much harder to forgive sins than heal bodies. Jesus knew that a spiritual disease is far more harmful than a physical disease. And the priority of Jesus was to come and save souls more than just heal bodies. But at the same time, he knew that a miracle would prove to these people that he was God. And so if he did heal this man, the crowd would believe that he was God and he also had the authority as God to forgive sins. And so Jesus says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So then he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. So he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So with one, just one little phrase, Jesus healed the paralyzed man. He said, I I, God, I, the great I am, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man did. And the Bible said that people were amazed. And I would have been standing, yeah. (laughs) You see, these people had known this man all of their lives. They knew about his situation their whole lives. They, They knew he had been paralyzed and could never move. So many knew about this hopeless situation. But now they see this immobile man become mobile instantly. Folks, when friends struggle, first thing we do is empathize. We show them compassion and kind-heartedness. But then we don't leave it there. We, We mobilize. And if need be, we improvise. But most of all, Christ. Amen? We do all we can to get them into the presence of Christ, to share Christ with them, to pray over them. We get them in the presence of Christ. When friends struggle, help them. Don't just look at their situation, but help them. As Christ followers, as a church of God that is filled with the power and compassion of God, don't make people go it alone. Don't make them wait. Don't pass them by. Don't say, God loves you and so do I. Then send them away. Help them. I know that we can't heal like Jesus. I know that we can't meet every need like Jesus. But we can do our best to be like Jesus. Amen? To show the love and the compassion and the generosity that Jesus has shown you and me. We can help. We can comfort We can listen. We can give counsel. We can pray. 
We can bring clarity into confusing situations. We can gather resources. We can mobilize a team to help. We can do what Jesus would do if he was in the situation. We can respond like him. We can act like him. We can help like him. Often I I pray, Lord, let my eyes be your eyes. Eyes of compassion. Lord, let my hands be like your hands. Hands of loving actions. Lord, let my words be your words. Words of encouragement, hope, and healing. I pray, Lord, let my hugs be your hugs. When I hug somebody, let them feel your love and your acceptance and your forgiveness. Folks, let your compassion be the compassion of Christ who lives in you. And then let it flow to the friend who hurts. In short, be a tear-the-roof-off kind of a friend. Amen? Be the tear-the-roof-off kind of a friend. Today, as we end this series, I want you to know that if you are in a bottom-of-the-ninth moment, folks, there is hope. You may be down, you may feel behind, but you're not out. There is hope. And I want you to know that there are some friends who are on your team. I want you to know there's some friends who are willing to step up to the plate to help you. I want you to know that there's some friends who are willing to swing and bring you in for a win. Now their help may not be perfect. In fact, they may bump your head on the roof when they lower you (laughs) to the help you need. Their help may not be perfect, but they're going to do their best to help you. And I know that you may not want to let others know how bad things really are. But if you do, they will do all they can to empathize and mobilize and improvise and get you closer to the Christ who does have the authority and power to meet your need. And so today, I want you to leave this place, even though you might be in a bottom of the ninth moment, I want you to leave this place full of hope and trusting Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and to heal your situation and to set you free to walk like you've never walked before. And I also want you to leave this place determined to be like the four friends. Let's be the kind of friends that fight for those who are in a bottom of the ninth moment, that finish the race with their friend, alongside of their friend who's struggling, that keep the faith and get their friend close to Jesus. Let's be tear-the-roof-off kind of friends. Let's be a tear-the-roof-off kind of a church Let's do what it takes to get our friends next to Jesus. Amen? Let's be those kind of friends. In fact, let's live up to our name. You know what our name is? Canyon Hills Friends Church. Amen? Let's live up to our name. Let's let that be our reputation. Those people over there on Fairmont Connector, that Canyon Hills Church, they know Jesus Christ. And they actually show the compassion and the love of Jesus Christ. If you need a friend, you go there. Amen? Let's let that be our reputation. Those people will help you. They will walk with you. They will stick by you. 
They may not be able to solve every issue for you, but they will be there for you. Let's be that kind of church. Amen? Canyon Hills Friends Church. Let's pray. As I pray, would you repeat this prayer in your heart as we close this series? Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to forgive me, to save me, to help me, and to heal me. Lord Jesus, today I commit to do the same when I see friends struggle. I commit to let your love and your compassion flow from me to them. I commit to be a friend. Father, we pray these things and we make these commitments in the name of Jesus Christ, our loving God and Savior. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.